to discuss the real issues affecting Australia and New Zealand, this is Trad Tasman Talk, jointly produced by the Unshackled.net and the Mr. Berry, Mr. Berry Show. Now here are Tim Wilms and Stephen Berry, live from Melbourne. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Trad Tasman Talk on this Friday, the 8th of July, 2022. I'm Tim Wilms, Editor-in-Chief for The Unshackled here in Melbourne, where it is 7pm. And I'm Stephen Berry of the Mr. Berry, Mr. Berry Show, also in Melbourne. And uh, we should... Uh, or announce to our viewers that uh, when you're uh, co-hosting the show every second Friday, we'll be starting at 7pm. So there will be an updated graphic for that. But uh, when uh, I'm co-hosting with Duo, which will be next Friday, it'll still be a 6pm Melbourne time start and 8pm Auckland time start. So Yeah, sorry about that. Hope it's worth the wait. The, 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 the extra hour uh, wait. Well, we try to be because we've had uh, so many weeks where there hasn't been a show on a Friday or we switched uh, back to the, the old Tuesday traditional uh, time slot. But uh, we are definitely always every week Friday uh, going forward. Uh, there's just going to be that hour difference every second week, but definitely every Friday. And he's hoping my internet survives this time as well. Um after getting the 5G wireless modem installed and waiting for them to make repairs on a tower, it turns out the tower being on the other side of the building means that 5G doesn't go through concrete walls very well. And so now we have to install a 4G modem, which can apparently pick up more 4G and somehow that's meant to make things better. I, I don't understand any of this. Uh, the thing about 5G, because obviously uh, the there is a, a large uh, anti-5G community in Australia and New Zealand. I think some anti-5G as they set fire to a tower in Auckland. There was a ABC Four Corners uh, episode on it and explained that for 5G to work at the, the speeds, which makes it super fast, the towers, they have to be so, like, they have to be really numerous because the, the fast speed can only travel short distances. So that's why you need all these towers. Uh, super fast transmission uh, is faster than, than 4G. Well, now I have to wait until they build a tower on the other side of my building. I, uh, you, you would think they would give up after 4G and 3G and 2G didn't kill anyone. Well, that's the thing I always uh, didn't uh, get about these anti-5Gers. So you didn't care about the, the first 4Gs, but the, the uh, it's 5G that's going to, what is it, fry our brains and uh, was uh, responsible for COVID. Or, may, or maybe 2, 3 and 4G did actually fry these people's brains and that's why they're now at the point where they are now. How come it didn't fry our brains then? <laughs> But I have a 5G phone and uh, I haven't noticed uh, any uh, adverse effects. No, I, I haven't either, though I, I guess the problem with being stupid is that um, it's only an issue for everybody else because you don't know about it. 
Um, but yeah, it, it, well, actually, my phone virtually only does four G anyway. It's it's about six years old. I found with my phone that if it goes down to four G, it basically the internet doesn't work. It's like once it's up to five G, everything everything else is. <laughs> Hadron anti-bullying is he implying that uh, 5G uh, causes homosexuality? Is that what you're saying, Hadron? <laughs> uh, hello to everyone in the the live chat. So we're live on the the Unshackled and Mr. Berry, Mr. Berry YouTube channel. I saw a comment. Uh, uh, P. Cosyman, a, a bit a, who's a bit confused, he's like, Usually, I'd watch this on the Wilms front. Oh, well, whatever. It's, so, Trad Tasman Talk, it always has been on the Unshackled YouTube channel, unless that's got a strike, uh, then it goes on Wilms front. Um, but that's its main channel, along with uh, the report from Tiger Mountain. So, those two shows are on the Unshackled YouTube channel, while my shows, uh, Wilms front and Tim's News Explosion, are, are on my channel. And uh, we are also on Entropy, the interactive uh, streaming software. Uh, you can ask us a direct question or better yet, send through a super chat uh, to support the production of the show. Uh, now, uh, you and I have both had the, what is it, the, the double AstraZeneca uh, jab, but uh, we stopped it too, even though what That's is right. it, we were at the beginning of the year to have the third. Uh, we're both over 30. So this week, for, starting from Monday, we can get a fourth shot, although it's only available to 30 to 49-year-olds. Uh, it's recommended for those over 50. This is after uh, Atagi uh, uh, changed its advice, the, the vaccine advisory uh uh, body because of the, the upcoming Omicron BA4 and BA5 wave. We're going up the roller coaster again. Yeah. Um, can I get my third and fourth shot at the same time? Uh, I don't, I oh, th thank you, Colin. <laughs> well, Sorry, Colin's uh, just commented on my background. Not that, not that I'm aware Thank you. of. Thank I, I, I've used it for the Stephen Inquisition. Mm. Yeah, so uh, we had no, another sorry, one. Moving on. Um, yeah. yeah, there, we there, there were cases in New Zealand where um, people were getting 10, ten uh, shots um, on the behalf of other people and getting paid for it so that um, they could get around the vaccine mandate. And uh, it seems yeah. like 10 shots didn't kill anybody. Though uh, I, I think, because I remember that story, the uh, what is it? Experts said that having them all at the same time doesn't like increase your uh, immunity, which is why I've like I'm sort of you know concluding that um, you know getting your third and fourth at the same time wouldn't have the the same effect. They always have to be spaced out. Spaced out. I don't know what the uh, the current gap is because. The gap changes depending on whether you've had COVID. 
Yeah, and I mean, I'm aware of um, co-workers who have had COVID for a third time and have also had three COVID shots. Um, I don't know whether they're making it up or not, but... Have any of them got long COVID? Well, that, I suppose that's a possibility. And um, there, there are cases where the yeah, rat tests will continue to register positive for COVID for weeks um, after your symptoms are gone. Yeah, yeah, but apparently you're allowed back at work then anyway. Yeah, so Essentially, yeah. we're, everyone's still just making this shit up as they go along. Isn't that basically what's happening? Well, we had another one of those ghastly uh, is it COVID updates in, in New South Wales with uh, Brad Hazard, the New South Wales Health Minister, and uh, the Chief Health Officer, Kerry Chant, and so uh, she explained the, the 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 changing science advice. I think the evidence is really clear, and I think um, we have to acknowledge when evidence changes. So my message to everyone is: disregard anything we said about two doses. <laughs> it's three doses or more. And as ATAGI continues to watch the evidence, they might broaden the um, criterion. It's important that you keep engaged with those messages and know if you're eligible for further vaccines. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't yeah. laugh, but it's just ridiculous. We have the, what is it, uh, before the, the TGA is there, what is it, Omicron tailored uh, Pfizer vaccine. So there could be a, a fifth uh, shot coming soon. What is that? They'll call it a, a spring dose because the, the fourth shot is called a winter dose. And um, it's not just COVID that's causing um, a whole lot of trouble for people uh, this winter. And now it's influenza as well because uh, I guess people's immunity has been impacted by being locked away over the previous two winters. Yes, exactly. So uh, there are signs that uh, in the, the New South Wales surveillance report that uh, past the, the peak in uh, influenza, I think the, the, free, the free flu shot in New South Wales expires on July the 12th. That's what Kerry Chant uh, tweeted. But now it's, it's back to, to COVID jads. And the health minister, uh, Brad Hazard, he had a message to, to people such as us who were not up to date uh, with our boosters. The very important message that Dr Chant and I are here to say today, and she'll give more detail, is if you haven't had uh, your full doses, and most of the population uh, know that you can have uh, up to three doses, and then possibly four or even more if you're older uh, and in certain circumstances with comorbidities, in other words, other serious illnesses, or perhaps you're immunocompromised. But if you had two, for example, or one, and you haven't had your full three, put it bluntly, you're crazy. You should go and get them because that is what's going to make a difference to stopping or at least reducing the chances of you ending up in hospital or ending up possibly dying. Um, I can't stress this enough. I think uh, there are some in the community who uh, are just very busy. Um, there are others in the community who think the pandemic's over. Both of those, on both of those counts, they're wrong. So I would strongly encourage, I mean, I know I have friends who've said to me that they're fully dosed, and when I asked the question, they've had two doses of vaccine. And as a health minister, I quickly tell them, go and get your third dose. 
Um, I would encourage everybody to be a mate to their mates in New South Wales, indeed across Australia. Um, ask, have you had your full three doses? Yeah, so it's awesome uh, to I, um, encourage others to get their boosters. Crap, I forgot what I was going to say about that. But yes, uh, yeah, Brad Hazard, he always comes up with these... Things. Yeah, what I was going to say is that... Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I wasn't sold on the third booster until he started calling me crazy and um, insulting me. Now I think I'll go and get a third jab. He said uh, at the, the beginning of the year about uh, those who hadn't got vaccinated yet, he said, uh, stop sitting on your dick. And, uh, fun, um, and fun it's, um, I see that uh, Victorian Premier Dan Andrews has decided to extend the pandemic period for another three months, which is bad for freedom in the short term, but hey, could be really good in the long term. Uh, so it was due to expire the uh, pandemic declaration under the, the, the new pandemic management framework. <laughs> Yeah, uh, December last year. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Is this a, uh, that's pretty awesome. So uh, just before he went on leave for, for two weeks and uh, uh, had his uh, 50th birthday uh, bash, uh, so uh, he's uh, turning the, the big 5-0, and uh, so he was... Uh, uh, hopefully, he had the the party in a a, a single uh, story house where there's where there's no stairs. Um, but yes, it was uh, he. What is it? He he had his uh, uh, what is it? Press conference or meeting with Jacinta. Uh, then signed the the, the pandemic uh, declaration extension till October the twelfth, and then buggered off uh, for two weeks. I, th I think it, I think it's great that the pandemic um, declaration's been extended for three months because look what happened with the federal election. Um, by the time we got to the federal election, um, you know the the um, COVID restrictions had eased off incredibly, and it seems to have um, left a lot of voters' minds just what governments were doing to them, you know, just three to six months prior. So at least now, with the pandemic uh, declaration extended to October, October uh, that's a, yeah, that's uh, that's around election time, isn't it? Yes. Uh, now, since he's gone, uh, Daddy Dan's gone. The uh, the children are running the show. Like, if you think Dan's bad, he's like, well, since well, uh, he's now basically got an L plate cabinet after the, the series of uh, retirement uh, resignations. And so he's got a new health minister, Marianne Thomas, and uh, she, uh, in an interview with Heidi Murphy on 3AW, uh, when she was pressed about because uh, the, uh, what is it, the COVID uh, zeros, uh, they are eager for mask mandates to come back because uh, masks have superpowers. They're, they're, they're magical, apparently. Uh, they, they, they seem to talk about masks more uh, than uh, vaccines. So when she was pressed about uh, uh, will you reintroduce mask mandates or uh, working from home, uh, she refused to rule it out. She just stuck to the various talking points 
probably she's just sort of like, oh, Dan didn't tell me what to say in this situation. And so uh, <laughs> that, uh, that has uh, caused a, a frenzy because, uh, you know, the, the last thing uh, we want in uh, Victoria is to go back to any form of restriction because uh, tomorrow is the uh, two-year anniversary of the second lockdown in 2020, which lasted 112 days. And next Saturday, it'll be the anniversary of lockdown number five, uh, which also rolled into lockdown number six and uh, uh, lasted a, it's almost the, 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 the same amount of time. We had like, what is it, in between lockdowns five and six, there was, there was uh, I think, uh, uh, nine days not in lockdown, but uh, you still had to wear masks outside and couldn't have people over at your home. So it was more like lockdown light. So sort of five and six was sort of one and the same. Yeah, I, I predict that um, they will keep um, refusing to rule out mask mandates just to, um, I guess, stop people being lax about um, the way they behave in this COVID. I don't know what sort of environment we call it now, but people and people are definitely getting more lax about it. Um, but I would be very, very surprised if um, they reintroduce mask mandates as close to an election. Um, COVID was a virtual guaranteed election winner for incumbent governments two years ago. Um, that's no longer the case. Um, and uh, Australians are uh, absolutely sick of um, the extremities of um, where we've gone, especially in Victoria. Um, I would don't think that they will tolerate um, any sort of return to outdoor mask mandates again. Um, and even though they still do exist on public transport, um, I never wear one. Half uh, half the uh, carriage doesn't wear one when I'm on them. Um, I was surprised to have a ticket inspector actually um, come on the train a week ago and hand me a mask. But um, that's that's the closest I've seen to enforcement in months. Now, yeah, of course, in New Zealand... Um, uh, New Zealand operates on the red, orange, green traffic light system. Uh, it's not a very good one because, um, well, the what the settings while on orange, for example, have changed multiple times. Um, that was being reviewed uh, about two weeks ago. It was meant to be the next decision made on orange, so they're staying in orange, but. Uh, you know, the, the details change all the time. It's a meaningless system. And I highly doubt we'll see um, New Zealand go to green anytime soon. Jacinta was asked uh, this week, oh, will New Zealand go to red uh, because of the, uh, the, the BA45 wave that's uh, going up there in New Zealand as it is in the rest of the Western world? And she's like, no, we already made the decision to, to stay at orange. I don't anticipate it. Uh, it is interesting that uh, uh, we have still masks in New Zealand yet and not in Australia, only on those uh, limited settings like public transport, age and, and healthcare. The curves uh, of both cases, hospitalizations and deaths are all still the same. And so uh, this is what uh, finally uh, a lot of uh, experts uh, 
are now now saying to, to counter the push for mask mandates it has no effect on the curve uh mask mandates no, and um, New Zealand continues to have about 10,000 uh, cases of COVID a day. Deaths uh, tend to be between 10 and 20 a day. Um, but, and yeah, they do still have um, controls just about everywhere with masks. Um, supermarkets, for example, are still expected to enforce uh, mask mandates when you walk into the store, which is just horrible for those staff. Um, I really feel for them. Um, but uh, also, this Labour government is becoming increasingly unpopular. Um, 18 months into their second term, um, when you look at the average of the polls between left and right, Labour, Greens, Māori Party, 60 out of 120 seats. National and Act, 60 out of 120 seats. Um, it, the, the average of polls has been deadlocked for about two to three months now. Uh, which is very unusual in New Zealand politics because we haven't had a two-term government in New Zealand since 1990. Um, so, and National is also outpolling Labour, which Jacinda's obviously very aware of. Um, so I don't think we're going to see any toughening and restrictions in New Zealand. Uh, we've had so far... Uh, we've had the uh, New South Wales... Queensland, ACT and South Australian uh, governments uh, rule out a return to, to mask mandates and uh, the federal uh, health minister today, Mark Butler on the, the ABC, uh, said uh, that uh, the era of mask mandates and lockdowns are, are over. And uh, I noticed that uh, uh, in their, 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 the, the photo ops that they, they post on uh, Twitter, uh, Annal and, and Mark Butler, uh, they're always uh, without masks. And there's always these, these replies on Twitter, you're in this situation unmasked. You're in a crowded place. Mandate masks now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've just uh, seen a question uh, from uh, Colin Pinfold here. He says, um, I, he was watching a Kiwi Freedom audit and he came up against a Māori warden at a COVID testing facility. What are they, the Māori wardens? Um, Māori wardens were actually introduced, I'm not an expert on this, but I think they've been around for a, about 100 years and initially um, they would do things like remove drunk Māori from pubs, etc. Um, now they tend to have more of a ceremonial role, um, but they will still... Act, I, I, I guess, like, um, you know, when you have citizens' arrests and things like that, this is kind of what Māori wardens do. Um, but they're expected to only um, do that to Māori. It's a bit weird. And so uh, Jacinta arrived uh, in Australia uh, at the beginning of the, the week. Uh, given that Anil was in... Uh, Ukraine. I was sort of wondering who's she over to to see because we like have we had Tanya Plibersek also overseas, the Environment Minister at some Oceans Summit, and what is it? You have uh, uh, Penny Wong overseas again today. She met her uh, Chinese counterpart, counterpart the uh, uh, 
PRC uh, Foreign Minister uh, Wang Yi at uh, in Bali. That's sort of, I guess, it's like the the DMZ uh, between Australia and and China, where it was talk about uh, stabilised relations. So, like, obviously, you know, we're not going to become friends, but have a a stable relationship. And uh, this was the headline, I think, in the Australian. Wang warns Wong, don't smear China over Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) And then... There's uh, just too many things to... to And uh, Airbus Elbow, he's Um, uh, travelling again to the Pacific Islands Forum next. Yep, and I um, see that um, the Solomons have um, just re- uh, also celebrated independence yesterday, um, and the Prime Minister um, in his speech thanked China for uh, the support that they'd received from them, um, but made no mention of Australia, so it's got a lot more work to do in the Pacific, I think. Uh, the Sogavare, he seems like he's just got, uh, what is it, an anti-white... Uh, mindset and what is it nothing screams independence like uh, inviting another country that would like to basically colonize you and make you a vassal military outpost yeah yeah and if you get too close to china and uh you borrow too much money from them uh, they essentially end up being a puppet state Uh, jacinta's first stop was in in melbourne uh, where she uh, met with, well, uh, it, I called it the, the Dumb and Dumber reunion. Dan Andrews tweeted, getting some selfie tips from a mate, and then he followed it up with, here's the result. Good to catch up with Jacinta Ardern. We're agreeing to disagree on who really invented the PAV, but had a really productive discussion on exports with our fifth biggest trading partner. I look forward to seeing you again. Uh, Prime Minister, and uh, there were plenty of of memes to uh, go around about this this selfie. This is the the danger, Dan Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> the photo on the right, uh, her teeth have been exaggerated there, and obviously uh, on the the photo on the left is well, the, completely the, the, the most extreme uh, exaggeration. <laughs> Photos get fact-checked now. But, uh, here's one of the things that pisses me off, and it's probably just me because I'm an extremist libertarian, but this bullshit, oh, we invented the pavlova. No, we invented the pavlova. It's not invented by a bloody country. And and just because your mother squirted you out within one border or another doesn't mean that you get to take credit for the creations of someone else who got squirted out in the same borders. I don't know who invented the bloody pavlova, but if they're a New Zealander, I definitely didn't do it. All right, rant over. Our audience is saying that we should have had like a trigger warning before showing uh, those selfies. (laughs) I wonder if she would take a selfie like that back in New Zealand. Oh, I remember she got in trouble for a a selfie during the 2020 election campaign because there was zero social distancing uh, taking place. Mm, uh, Though I believe there were masks. Oh, no, sorry. No, 
no, not, that's not relevant because uh, the conditions are changing. Oh yeah, that was during the the COVID COVID zero. What Resume. is that? Utopia, which of course, as uh, uh, the uh, the Chinese or the poor Chinese ordinary person yeah, finding yeah. out that is great until it's not. <laughs> now um, she's also uh, managed to visit um, Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. And um, it's almost like we've got a second um, New Zealand Prime Minister over here now with um, all the deals that he's uh, willing to make in New Zealand's favour. Yeah, and, yeah um, basically giving her everything she wants. It's called a, a reset, uh, which uh, basically is code for, um, yeah, I'll just give you whatever you, you want. So, uh, and it's always, like not getting a reach around. Yeah. He, he's he's folded on uh, the uh, the deportation of Kiwi criminals. Well, if they've spent you know pretty much all of their lives in Australia, we we won't uh, deport them. And also, well, this is good news for you. Uh, uh, Anil is considering giving Kiwis in Australia the vote in Australian elections. Yeah, yeah, which is I mean that's a bit weird. Um... I, I mean, I, I would, I wouldn't advocate for non-citizens voting in a country's election. Though he has also um, said that he'll look at making the citizenship process um, easier for Kiwis, which that would be great. So I could, I would love to become an Australian citizen and ditch my New Zealand citizenship. But um, yeah, well, but, uh, yeah, the voting thing is really weird. I mean, I can I still think... vote in New Zealand. I think it would be constitutional because uh, uh, New Zealand uh, was uh, considered an original state of Australia. Uh, it, it was uh, so they're, right they're, 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 right they're, in New South it, Wales. Yeah. So uh, Collins says no. Then they weren't. They they wouldn't become the ninth state. They would be because we we have the two territories. So they become the the seventh. Uh, state, so uh, you can still get knocked out for dual citizenship uh, if you're an MP, if you hold both Australia and New Zealand citizenship. Because uh, for, uh, former Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce, he had to uh, contest a by-election because he got a New Zealand citizenship by his father. So it's still considered a foreign power when it comes to serving in the parliament. Yeah, which I think is completely fair as well. I, um, I, I don't see anything unreasonable about making sure that people that are serving in the parliament are the citizen of that country alone. Um, New Zealand allows dual citizens to be elected to parliament, though. That's in our constitution. And that uh, included um, Russell Norman, uh, who now works for Greenpeace. Uh, we what is that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, the what is that? Um, interestingly, back in about two thousand two in New Zealand, um, the United Party did really well because of one single debate, and they got about eight or nine MPs when they previously only had one. But unfortunately, two of the MPs elected on their party list weren't even New Zealand citizens. <laughs> Yeah, um, like you obviously still have to be a citizen of New Zealand to, to be elected, uh, but it was actually <laughs> what triggered the the Barnaby Joyce uh, uh, dual uh, citizenship 
uh, what is it, you'd call it a challenge, is a, a question from a New Zealand MP to uh, the minister at the time, uh, Peter Dunn, and it was one of Penny Wong's staff who'd basically, what is it, worded them up to ask this question. And the foreign minister at the time, Julie Bishop, uh, said that uh, the Labour opposition had used a foreign political party to help bring down the Australian government. <laughs> yes, I do. I do recall, and I, I think that was very inappropriate of the uh, New Zealand politician to do so. Uh, Penny Wong's reply at the time was saying, oh, yes, those, what is it, those sinister Kiwis. Uh, oh, what does the NZ stand for in Anzac again? <laughs> now, the, the other thing about um, these concessions by Anthony Albanese, um, he basically hasn't asked, doesn't appear to have really demanded anything from New Zealand um, in terms of the nuclear-powered uh, submarines. Um, New Zealand's rule on not having nuclear-powered subs or nuclear-armed subs, they're just, Australia's just going to respect that. Um, so it's... I guess he's getting all the stupid stuff out of the way right at the start of the term. All these concessions to New Zealand won't be popular with the Australian electorate, I would imagine. But, um, yeah, he just looks incredibly weak right now to be giving, uh, to be showing himself to be open to all those concessions. And I can't see a thing that he's asking from New Zealand. I, it's, I think the, the strategy is to show that oh, he, he's uh, repairing Australia's reputation on the world stage after Scott Morrison trashed it because uh, Jacinta's joining in with the sort of the subtle uh, backhanders uh, against uh, Scott Morrison that they had a frosty uh, relationship because uh, obviously Anna was in France to kiss and make up with uh, Emmanuel Macron over the, the torn up. Uh, diesel uh, submarines uh, that uh, the contracts that were signed pre-AUKUS, which was a, was actually a very stupid thing to get into. Anyway, why would you want diesel submarines? Uh, now, uh, the federal treasurer Jim Chalmers, uh, he is going to be delivering. Well, he's calling it a budget, but it's more like a mini budget in October, a half budget. He wants to basically have his, his stamp on the nation's finances and taking a another idea of uh, Jacinta's uh, measuring uh, well-being. Uh, so he uh, announced this as an address to the Australian-New Zealand Leadership uh, Forum. So uh, the budget will be just uh, more economic indicators such as unemployment and, and GDP. So measure things such as uh, diverse as life expectancy and quality of the, the environment. Now, you can give us a, uh, a what is it, first-hand account of how uh, these well-being budgets uh, actually <laughs> impacted New Zealand. They don't do anything. They don't do anything at all. It's just window dressing. Uh, so especially... Well, I don't see how it can increase your well-being when 
uh, grocery prices are going up 7% because the government won't stop printing bloody money and the minimum wage goes up 35% in uh, five years and um, you get a new public holiday which costs businesses $450 million. Um, I don't see how these increase well-being at all. And Jacinda Ardern's, well, probably, well, what she says as her uh, reason for going into politics is to address child poverty. So the relative measure of poverty is a feature of these well-being budgets, but relative poverty um, cannot be reduced because it is measured as a percentage of the median wage. It's an, inequal, it's an inequality measure, not a poverty measure. And the only way for her to actually make those figures look better would be co- to be co- completely destroy the country and make everyone broke. Uh, we uh, When Jim Chalmers first floated this idea of a well-being budget back at the beginning of, of 2020, the former treasurer, uh, Josh Frydenberg, uh, destroyed uh, the, uh, the, the, the arguments uh, for a well-being uh, budget in a, a, a parliamentary display, which I'll, I'll play again because it's been doing the rounds on social media. Inspired by their spiritual leader, that member for Rankin, Mr. Speaker, the member for Rankin, Mr. Speaker. And I was thinking yesterday, I was thinking yesterday, as the member for Rankin was coming into the chamber, fresh from his ashram, deep in the uh, deep in the mountains of the Himalayas, barefoot into the chamber, but robes flowing, incense burning, beads in one hand, well-being budget in the other. I thought to myself, what would the yoga position that the member for Rankin would assume? The treasurer will resume his seat. Well, as the member for Rankin was approaching the dispatch box, I was thinking, what position would he be assuming to deliver the first wellbeing budget? And I'm no expert. Of what position would he be assuming at the dispatch box? Was it position number five? The downward dog, Mr. Speaker. No, was it position number six? The reclining pigeon, Mr. Speaker. No, 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 no. Position number seven, Mr. Speaker. The twisted deer, Mr. Speaker. But then the vision came to me. Then the vision came to me through the incense, Mr. Speaker. What was the position number eight? It was the sleeping no, swan. No, the treasurer Mr. will. <laughs> the treasurer will remove that prop. <laughs> It was a sleeping swan, Mr. Speaker. Position number eight. The sleeping swan. Beads in one hand. Robes flowing. Incense burning. Here was the member for Rankin's homily to his mentor, the former member for Lily. Mr. Speaker, we all know, the Australian people know, a well-being budget is just another word for Labor's higher taxes and more debt. <laughs> uh, but, I, uh, I, can, I can see why there would have been a little bit of outrage at that. But uh, yes, Hindus um, complained about uh, him uh, mocking their religion, so he apologised. Even though that was, you know, probably one of the the, the best, uh, uh, one of the the, the best uh, stunts or uh, performances he pulled at, at Question Time, because yeah, I mean, 
he summarized just what a joker well-being <laughs> budget is. It's just a pity that he's religious himself, because um, if he were he not, he could just double down and criticize some other religions as well, and then it wouldn't be racist, would it? Well, we, not uh, in my view, anyway. In, governed in Victoria, uh, well, uh, the the legislation that is uh, enforcing these uh, COVID public health orders is called the Public Health and Wellbeing Act. So I don't think it's been good for uh, my well-being over the past two and a half years, and now we have a in Victoria Mental Health and Wellbeing Act. Like I can't just call it no, a public health mental health health act. It has to be and well-being. Is it in case people? No, uh, oh, it's just yeah, it's just stupid. Um, but uh, clear, clearly, you know the policies which have shut down uh, entire states for months at a time um, and put business, put people out of business. Um, where's the well-being in that? And some people might go and get a job in a supermarket because. You know, being a bar that couldn't be a barber anymore, so they go work in a supermarket. Um, where's the well-being in that for them? And now there's been a obviously, I think, uh, a lot of legitimate criticism of uh, Airbus Albo, who's been overseas while uh, there's been the the third flood in northwest Sydney uh, this year, but who did touch back down in in Wednesday. And uh, uh, toured the the, the floods uh, for some uh, photo ops uh, with uh, the New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet. He, uh, I covered this on my Monday show. He said that uh, he he wouldn't disappear when the going gets uh, tough or pose for for photo shops. Though the opposition leader uh, Peter Dutton uh, is on leave at the moment. He is uh, in the the United States. Uh, holidaying in the the, the US. Uh, so the opposition leader confirmed this morning that he was in the United States. He's over over here to catch up with a few people in Washington and go to the US uh, leadership dialogue. So he's away from July the third to nineteenth, uh, and uh, so uh, he said, "I've got a job to do, and my job is to represent Australia." Uh, let Peter Dutton, uh, when he returns from leave, say if it's inappropriate for me to go to the Pacific Island Forum, Mr Albanese said. I find it quite astonishing that senior members of the opposition would equate going to a war zone with Ukraine uh, with going to a holiday uh, to Hawaii, which is what Scott Morrison uh, was doing when the Black Summer bushfires began. I just think it says more about them than it does myself and putting uh, Australia's national interests first. And just to give a bit of background on uh, the uh, relationship between the, uh, the the journalist who wrote this story, Samantha Maiden, and Peter Dutton, uh, back in 2016 when Samantha Maiden uh, wrote a, a story on Peter Dutton's former colleague, uh, Jamie Briggs, who lost his seat at the 2016 federal election after having to resign uh, from the ministry over being inappropriate with a female colleague while on an overseas diplomatic trip and uh, breaking his leg uh, while trying to crash tackle Tony Abbott at his post uh, uh, leadership spill 
uh, booze up. Uh, Peter Dutton meant to uh, text Jamie Briggs to say, oh, don't worry about Samantha Maiden. She's a mad fucking witch. And Peter Dutton sent that text message to Samantha Maiden. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. And where does um, it... Uh, I mean, as far as, as, as um, you know, politicians taking holidays, I don't really see the issue. Everyone needs a holiday sometime, and it's not like um, they're going to come back and personally put out the fire or or fill up sandbags well, or anything yeah, like that. Morrison was, he was pilloried for saying, I don't hold a hose. Clearly, elbow doesn't hold a bucket uh, either. Yeah, yeah. It's... Exactly. I mean, it's just double standards. And of course, um, Anthony Albanese is actually quite right in what he's saying right now. It's just ridiculous that Scott Morrison was held to a different standard. Yeah, this is this is the thing here that and what it's it's the promise that uh, uh, Albo made that, you know, I won't disappear when the going gets tough. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, visiting a war zone's probably not that tough for him, I wouldn't think. Um, it's not like he's going to be well, on the everyone's front line. going on a pilgrimage to Kiev. I mean, Sean Penn, uh, what is it, Ben Stiller, uh, Bono. Yeah, yeah, and Kiev is largely quite safe these days, um, with the focus of the war largely being in the uh, east of the country now. Uh, now, uh, we, uh, we had uh, Albo uh, tell us uh, that uh, the reason why it was important for him to be overseas uh, was to, what is that, sell his uh, government's uh, commitment uh, to climate change and the 43% emissions uh, reduction target, and that'll help stop uh, the, the floods, not building more dams or raising the war. war Warragamba uh, dam uh, uh, dam height, and I don't know if this is part of their what is that uh, their their new climate fighting strategy uh, to what is that uh, they're having climate modelling, um, and this is just an this will be an absolute PR disaster for the government um, because it it. They they can implement all the new taxes and regulations and bans and subsidies and whatever they like. And, you know, within the electoral term or even the next decade, it will not make one iota of difference. Um, new Zealand's got the same issue. Um, new Zealand's determined to be a world leader on um, climate change, even though New Zealand only contributes, I believe, 0.14% uh, of greenhouse gases internationally. So if New Zealand's going to put in all this effort to be a leader, uh, they'll destroy their economy, make no difference to the environment, and the rest of the world will go, oh, well, fuck, that's pretty stupid. Let's not do that. And, of course, uh, New Zealand, uh, its uh, economy uh, and food supply is uh, dependent upon agriculture, particularly dairy, and well, uh, we're we're told that the car, cows burping and farting is uh, that's some of the biggest climate uh, emissions. Yeah, no, I mean, there's actually not a lot of um, scientific um, agreement over the impact of um, methane from cows, but uh, the the current government narrative is that 
Um, it is uh, uh, it does cre it is a greenhouse gas, but um, there's a lot of debate over the accuracy of that, and, and even just the accuracy of measuring um, methane emissions. Uh, in uh, Victoria, uh, uh, Dan Andrews had a, a introduced a is it a uh, energy efficient uh, fridge uh, upgrade program, which has had to be suspended amid uh, amid uh, allegations of of rotting. So it was the government's energy upgrades program. And so uh, what's happened is that there's been reports of providers dumping fridges or removing incentive for plug-in refrigerated cabinets. So it comes after the regulated administrator of the program put businesses on notice after the alleged behaviour and launched an official investigation. In some instances, business reported receiving 40 fridges they never applied for, raising questions about rotting of the, the program. Um, and Sorry, and uh, just now you mentioned that, it reminds me um, of New Zealand's uh, rebate and uh, tax scheme. So um, it's uh, they're putting taxes in place on vehicles such as utes um, because they pollute more apparently, as and also putting rebates uh, for energy efficient vehicles and hybrid vehicles. Problem is, by the time uh, a lot of these hybrid vehicles get into the country, um, I guess maybe the science has changed or the the way that they interpret the regulation has changed and these hybrid vehicles which are bought in with the expectation of rebates when they're sold are now actually at, at, um, getting more taxes put on them because they're not as environmentally uh, friendly as the new uh, measurements believe they are. Yeah, and how is like, you know, all of these like new fridges uh, appearing, even if they are energy uh, efficient, they still are made up uh, from, you know, the, the Earth's precious resources and probably uh, emit, uh, there was uh, carbon emissions in the construction of them. So we've got this, what is it, overstock of fridges, yet uh, there is, uh, well, there's uh, product limits again in, in supermarkets with uh, uh, tissues. Uh, so there's apparently a shortage of tissues. Now, there's no use crying over this uh, because uh, there are no tissues. A lot of Australians must be blowing very hard for this to be this mass shortage of tissues. And people are substituting toilet paper for tissues. Now that's depleted in supply again. And uh, I guess paper towels will be the next one. Um, perhaps, yes. Uh, though uh, uh, the the produce shortage uh, continues, we, we still have, uh, well, iceberg lettuces uh, in uh, uh, short supply. And what is it? KFC are saying that they're eventually going to trans tra transition back from cabbage on their burgers to, to lettuce. Uh, though uh, we had uh, Australian actress uh, this week, uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, be the, the uh, uh, announce herself as the new poster girl for the alternate uh, diet of, of bug eating uh, in this Vanity Fair video. I'm Nicole Kidman and I am going to eat a four course meal of bugs. <laughs> 
I am here to reveal my hidden talent, eating micro livestock, corn worms. They're still alive. Mmm, extraordinary. Mmm, very moist, chewy. Can't quite describe the flavor, but need a little water. <laughs> Let's try the second glass, shall we? Just a little side note. Two billion people in the world eat bugs, and I'm one of them. Because here we go. Have some mealworms. I'm telling you, I'd win Survivor. That is a um, fruity taste. I'd recommend it. Here we have. Oh, oh. crickets. Oh, nothing. Oh, oh, awesome. Like nothing you've ever tasted. Like a hairy nut. <laughs> Don't. Oh my gosh. And nut from the shell. And now for dessert. Mm, the fried grasshopper. These are amazing. These are exquisite grasshoppers. I recommend them to anyone. Thank you for spending so much time with me and watching me eat bugs. Till next time. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it's not actually that controversial um, down in Hokitika where they have the Wild Food Festival each year. Um, crickets and grasshoppers and hoo-hoo grubs are um, quite standard. Are of uh, eating bugs? Sorry? Are you a proponent of eating bugs? Oh, fuck no, no, no. Um, but, well, um, yeah... You're, you're, you, you were trying to be part of the, the normalization there with uh, saying that, oh, it's, you know, part of, part of some cultures. I mean, uh, that's yeah. the argument. That's the, it's not for me. Because it's, it's not for me. Yeah, it's because it's promoted as being an environmentally sustainable uh, as well. And what is it? It's now got celebrity endorsements. I mean, celebrities drinking blood. That's so 2021. Wasn't she was she married to Tom Cruise? Yes, she was. Yeah, it shows. <laughs> it says that you're saying that the sort of the, the weird, 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 weird aspects are still ingrained in her that Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she wasn't that weird prior to marrying Tom Cruise. But um, now, I mean, the environmental sustainability aspect of it's stupid anyway, um, especially uh, as the other big concern, which had been around since the 1960s, is overpopulation. Um, but the fact is that because uh, the world is becoming richer and um, poverty, uh, global poverty is now around the 8% mark, it actually spiked a little bit during COVID, but it'll be back down again shortly. Um, and, Higher wealth leads to smaller families, and um, the population will plateau at about nine billion at the very most, and then it'll start to decline anyway. So there's all the sustainability crap. People are just depriving themselves for a future generation that won't need it. 
Last weekend in Melbourne, we had the uh, local uh, baby uh, murder advocates a, a take to the the streets uh, to what is it show solidarity with uh, women in the the United States uh, because uh, now with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, uh, U.S. states have the same legislative authority on abortion that Australian states do. But uh, a supposedly neutral uh, reporter uh, covering the the rally, uh, Lana Murphy for Channel 9, uh, was photographed taking a sign that said, Mary the Virgin should have had an abortion. I mean, I've often joked that someone should have given Mary a coat hanger for Christmas so I don't have to go through that bullshit every year. Um, but putting it on a sign is quite uh, quite next level. <laughs> no, uh, she was uh, forced to apologise. Uh, in my role as a journalist, I always strive to remain impartial and respectful of either side of rational debate. On Saturday, while reporting on the pro-choice rally, I was photographed being passed a sign made by one of the attendees. The words on the sign and subsequent posting of the image on my personal social media account has caused offence to some of the religious community community. This was not my intention and I wholeheartedly apologize to those that were hurt. I acknowledge that in the professional role, it was not the appropriate time to appear to have chosen uh, any side. So she's basically saying, sorry, anyone who was uh, offended. I'm basically sorry that I got caught <laughs> taking a side. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And sorry. It looked like something that I might actually believe. Yeah. And so channel nine put out a statement saying that on the weekend, a, Nine News journalist uh, posted an image uh, to her personal social media account that uh, caused offence to some members of the community. The journalist did not mean to cause offence, uh, but has been counselled on why the post was not appropriate. Nine News apologises to anyone offended by the post. We respect all sides of the sensitive issue and pride ourselves of reporting with impartiality. Um, I've seen plenty of your news stories, Channel 9. Um, <laughs> not many of them are impartial. <laughs> it, it's, it's a bit amusing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm anti-abortion, but I'm pro-choice up until the stage where the fetus can uh, survive outside of the mother's body. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm still pretty anti-abortion. Uh, but... Um, while while uh, the rest of the world um, wails about Roe versus Wade with uh, well the end of it without actually understanding how it works um, in New Zealand we had a case of that I covered on my show last week I can't remember oh no she didn't give her name um, she was complaining because um, in the Bay of Plenty there are no um, abortion services beyond. 12 weeks of pregnancy and that she had to drive for two hours to another hospital to get an abortion. This is what uh, these uh, local fright bat feminists, as uh, we call them, were complaining about. It sounds like they want, like, uh, an abortion uh, clinic on every, like, shop corner, like next to the milk bar. Uh, There should be, like, an abortion clinic. Like, that's how accessible abortion should be. And nobody's allowed to criticise it within a certain uh, radius as well. No. 150 metres is, is, is the law in New Zealand now. You cannot yeah, um, protest Victoria. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, um, I mean, in, 
in Auckland there, uh, I recall there's one clinic um, in Mount Eden. You wouldn't even know it's there um, were it not for the protesters outside. Uh, it's generally just three or four people standing across the road in silence with a sign offering help uh, to pregnant women yeah, to that's, that's what they have do. an abortion. And they, they have for women who just, uh, decide to, to keep uh, their, their child, those... Uh, people outside the the clinics help them uh, if they need accommodation and uh, support uh, when they become a, a new mother. I mean, it's totally uh, it, it, it's totally fake. Uh, the that the argument that the pro-abortion uh, advocates put forward that all oh, pro-life people don't care once the child is born. That's totally false. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, sometimes you hear the comment, oh, I, I don't mind them being outside the clinics, but I just wish they weren't so horrible. Well, they do think that babies are being murdered inside. So maybe, maybe that uh, can be expected. But, you know, like the case of this New Zealand woman, oh, I couldn't organise the murder of my baby within three months, so I had to drive two hours. How oppressed I am. And now the Wimbledon final uh, is, I think it's on this Sunday night, uh, the, the, uh, the men's and women's uh, singles. Last year, Ash Barty won the, the women's single title. Uh, this year, uh, Australian tennis uh, bad boy Nick Kyrgios, he's made it through to the final uh, because uh, uh, Rafael Nadal uh, withdrew uh, from the, the the semi-final with uh, with an injury, this is the the furthest that Nick Kyrgios has, has got in a uh, a singles tournament. Uh, he won the the men's doubles at the Australian Open uh, with his friend uh, Thanos uh, Kokonakis. They were called the the special K's. Uh, he's always had like a a well a reputation, a profile well above uh, what he was ranked because of his uh, antics. And uh, there was an op-ed that was uh, amazingly published uh, in uh, the nine newspapers by Kate Halfpenny said, it's time to kick Nick Kyrgios off the island, asking for a friend. Is there a way to revoke Nick Kyrgios's Australian passport and kick him off the island so he can stop being linked to this grub and this was uh savaged as racist um because it was born uh born in australia and oh, i see uh, her name was kate halfpenny that's a bit unfortunate when she's writing columns are stupid i i the, the nine newspapers they always publish uh these uh ridiculous columns uh normally by uh by by females uh, I should say, mm. uh, there was uh, earlier this week, there was a, what is it, a managing editor of the Sydney Morning Herald saying that she still wears masks in the office and that she wished that the mask police would be on public transport or there should be a dedicated, uh, what is it, mask carriage on the on the trains. They have just like moronic uh, columns uh, like that. And... <laughs> And uh, in the in the past, uh, well, we, well, we put a mask picture on that particular carriage. We? <laughs> uh, in the past, we had uh, uh, 1956 uh, Melbourne 
gold, gold medalist uh, swimmer Dawn Fraser caused controversy by saying that if Nick Kyrgios and uh, uh, another uh, Australian tennis bad boy, Bernard Tomic, if they're going to carry on uh, as they do, they can go back to uh, where their uh, parents uh, were born. And uh, Prue McSween, one of the, the talking heads who's regularly on the the morning TV shows on the Sky News described him as a spoiled little Greek brat. <laughs> this isn't really anything particularly new in Tennessee anyway, is it? It's always had its um, controversial characters and... Um, and now there yeah, was... Um, over nothing. Yeah, there, 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 there was a like some big news that... Uh, uh, earlier this week, that he was uh, being uh, summoned to appear on a charge of uh, assaulting uh, his uh, ex-girlfriend, and so there was um, a, his his former partner Charissa uh, Parisi in an incident in December in Canberra, um, but as a, but uh, that hasn't affected his subsequent performance, and his current girlfriend Costine. Adzi seems very happy with him. We will allow justice to take its uh, its course to find out, you know, uh, whether you know there's any substance to this allegation uh, or not. Uh, but I'll be cheering on Nick Curios because, um, yeah, he is he is an Australian, and we love to win sport. That brings us to the end of the show. Uh, some breaking news that uh, Shinzo Abe, uh, the former Japanese Prime Minister uh, who uh, was shot at today in an assassination attempt, has died, which is quite shocking. Nobody would ever uh, think of uh, Japan having a former Prime Minister assassinated. No, I was only, there's less than 10 murders a year. Uh, with mm. guns in Japan, so it's it's incredibly rare. And we had last night in the UK Boris Johnson politically assassinated by his conservative colleagues. He announced his uh, resignation, but he's staying on in a caretaker capacity until the conservative uh, members elect a uh, replacement. The trigger was. Uh, the uh what is that the resignation of the deputy whip chris pincher after it was revealed he'd uh, been pinching uh two men when he was very drunk at the the carlton club and there was uh a, a, and there there were conflicting stories about uh what is it why you know uh why did boris jo uh, did boris johnson know of his history before he was appointed a deputy whip. So it started with the the Hancock affair uh, this time last year, where Matt Hancock was having his uh, handcocked by uh, his uh, his one of his staff members, and it's ended with the the Pincher affair. God, they have unfortunate names in the UK, don't they? Um, though yeah. Boris's intention to stay on till um, Prime Minister in October. Um, I don't think that's going to fly. I mean, as it is, almost so many of his cabinet members have resigned um, that he virtually can't run a cabinet. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if a no confidence motion actually uh, succeeded in Parliament if he doesn't step down sooner than uh, what he's indicated. 
We'll I know see. that's a big uh, call, but... Yeah, it's a lot of people suspecting that uh, the conservative, what is it, uh, party will speed up the, the leadership election since there, there was no, like, there was no successor lined up. They just wanted him gone. Yeah, well, that's right. And um, the current rules of the Conservative Party mean that you can't challenge the leader again a year uh, until a year after the challenge. But um, the 1922 committee, uh, which makes the rules for the party, will probably find a way to change that rule anyway. Yeah. I'd say they, they seem to have got the, the Australian disease now over in the UK because Theresa May only lasted three years and now Boris. They, uh, they, can't, they can't do in the UK what used to happen in Australia that Australians went to bed one night with one Prime Minister and then woke up the next day uh, with another. There were constant night of the long knives. Mm. All right, thank All right, you. Well, everyone. I'll be back on, on Monday uh, for Tim's News Explosion uh, where I will uh, continue uh, uh, with uh, more commentary on the, the UK political fallout uh, and also uh, what's been happening over in the, the US uh, with that disgusting shooting on uh, the 4th of uh, July. Uh, it'll more be an international focus. And uh, I will be filming another Mr. Berry, Mr. Berry episode this weekend. But um, aside from that, I'll see you in two weeks' time again on Trad Tasman Talk. Yep, I'll see you then. Uh, Dewey will be back next week, back at 6 p.m. Melbourne time, 8 p.m. Auckland time. Uh, keep checking out theunshackled.net and also new reports from Tiger Mount with Richard Wollstonecroft and also more knowledge reports with Andy Nolch. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Trad Tasman Talk. To keep up with the latest real news and analysis from the Tasman nations, visit theunshackles.net and rightminds.nz.